All right, guys, welcome to another week of the roundtable. Here I am with Jeff, and uh, we're uh, in a kid's classroom with a whiteboard <laughs> behind us. If you're listening, the yeah, there's a nice little picture. And if you guys could see the room we're in in our studio, <laughs> you'd laugh. Uh, you don't want to know how the sausage is made here. Pretty uh, high tech. Yeah, but anyway, um, so I have a question this week uh, for for Jeff. This is kind of a, a phone a friend or ask a pastor <laughs> or something. This is like an emergency when you're studying a passage that you have no idea what it means. You can't understand it. So this is for everyone listening that has read the Bible and comes across passages where you're just confused and you have no idea how to interpret it. So I'm basically asking Jeff, how do we how do we do that for, for this confusing passage? First Corinthians 11 is what I'm preaching on at Cedar Rapids this coming weekend and then at Veritas, Iowa City. Which is um, nice because we get to use Cedar Rapids as kind of a practice run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for those of you who are at Cedar Rapids. Apologies to Cedar Rapids, uh, but hopefully I get yeah. all the kinks worked out. Yeah. Um, but so so here's, here's how First Corinthians 11 is described by one commentator. He says... 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16 has some features that make it one of the most difficult and controversial passages in the Bible. That's a pretty big statement. And, um, and so the questions, I'm not actually going to read the, the text, sure. uh, but because I, what I want to talk about is just more less on let's try to get this passage figure out and more on how do you, um, what are some tools you can yeah. give people uh, that will be helpful when you come around confusing texts in scripture, how to interpret scripture. And uh, that's where the picture behind us will come in. I'll let Jeff explain that. But some of the questions in first, first Corinthians 11 is he talks about, um, he kind of starts off and he says, I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man. The man is the head of, every, of the woman and God is the head of Christ. And then he goes into this thing on prayer and head coverings and prophesying, prophesying yeah. praying, and and is it proper for symbols you know, of authority? Symbols of yeah, yeah all yeah, that yeah. stuff. So I guess my question is, what are some steps that you you take when you come across yeah how to interpret a difficult passage? Yeah, I think one of the big kind of meta things to keep in mind is um, when you're doing your Bible read through and you come to those kind of texts or at least let me just self-disclose. Sometimes I can just kind of wah, 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 not think about it that much. Oh, that's confusing, but just move on. I think as, as pastors, as those that are leading people through the Bible, we owe it to people, even if we haven't landed the plane and know exactly what even we think, well alone what we should tell them to believe about it. We owe it to them to walk through what you're talking about, how to bump up against difficult passages and not skip them. You know what I mean? That's the one thing about churches or, or Bible teachers that do topical teaching is you just never have to go to first Corinthians. You know? Right. But when you choose to grab a book and go through it, you bump up against these things. And I think God's people are helped even in them realizing, Oh, I may never get to that point in my Christian walk where I fully understand can like dot every I cross every T on everything the Bible has to teach there's a humility that comes to all of us. Like you, mm -hmm. you having to stand up there, there's a humility that says, man, I'm supposed to be the Bible guy that's up here with my Bible and teaching you guys. 
I've got some stuff I don't understand either. I think that's more helpful than hurtful mm-hmm. to God's people. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. To keep that yep. trembling at the word. That Isaiah mm-hmm. 66, we tremble at the word. We don't yep. pretend like we have a handle on it um, or are experts on it. We tremble at it. And so when we come to these, I just want to say, when I coach people through stuff like this, don't be cavalier. Don't feel like you have to say more with more confidence what you think it believes than you have. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be better to say humbly, guys, I'm going to take you as far as I can, take the ball as far down the field as I can. And then I'm going to say, I, I don't know. Right. You know? Yep. So there's a, there's a saying in, in interpretation, this idea of, I think it's, it goes like this. If plain sense makes common sense, Mm -hmm. seek no other Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Is that how Mm -hmm. you've heard it? Yeah. Um, if you're reading something and it, it just seems like that, that the plain sense of it, yeah. don't, if it look makes for common, don't, yeah. don't try to weasel out of it and right. make it say something you, because it's offensive or you don't like Jesus saying, Hey, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Right. If I approach that, well, he didn't really mean, yeah. and I, you know, kind of the, did God really say, well, there's sometimes where the plain, the plain <laughs> sense is not there. Right. Like, Right. So, for example, in this, one of the questions is, what does he mean by, if he's saying uh, Christ is the head of every man, um, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ, what does that word head mean? Right. Because he kind of goes through, there's sometimes he's using it as a metaphor, right. like this, and sometimes he's using it literally, like your hair, or your head, right. or your a veil, or what is this? And so, one of the questions is, how do you go about when you come across something like that? Like yeah. what we want to figure out what does this word head right. mean? Right. What are, what are some things? Yeah. Because one of the things that you'll find, if you look into a lot of commentaries or whatever, you'll find uh, different scholars try to bring tight definition to those words like head, you know? And so you find that sometimes there's a metaphor meaning like source, right. As opposed to authority. Well, those are two very different things, right? So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say, if it's unknown, okay, but what do we know from the rest of the Bible? And something like headship and responsibly, uh, responsibly submission are just taught throughout. You know, we were talking earlier this morning that like right now I'm, I'm going through the book of Acts and finding God's people in this posture of submission, both to the the gospel proclamation, like the head of the church has said, go proclaim. And so even when it's scary, even when they're getting stoned, whatever, they take it. But then governing authorities or what that, that just submission under authority is to be part of the DNA of the Christian. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, like, I think when you come to yep. questionable passages like this, it's okay to lean back and say, okay, now wait, I can look around the landscape of the whole Bible and see principles mm-hmm. that are clearly backed up. Okay, so you want the safest there. You so, know? so you can say maybe you go find out wh- how is this word used in other contexts right. in the scriptures. So, in Ephesians five, how does Paul? And even use? if the exact word isn't used, that's helpful. Even the concept, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes yeah. we get into these word studies and we want to find exact mm. this exact word. Well, that's helpful. But that doesn't also doesn't tell the whole story. The whole, yeah, okay, so that. you can start by 
how is this word used other places? Right. What, where does Paul use headship in, in other contexts? Yeah. Christ is the head of the church, right. Colossians 1. I mean, there's right. the firstborn over all creation, this, this kind, of, kind of thing. Um, and, and, then, and then we ask, okay, if it's not clear there, if it could be, well, does headship mean the source of? Right. Or does it mean authority over? Which of those is it? Right. Then you're saying, maybe let the Bible interpret the Bible exactly. on, on yep. see, see what is the, what is the theme? How does and, this... and a lot of times, you know, like if you're going through a critical commentary, which doesn't critical just means invasive, like they go in and, and try to dissect it a lot in a critical commentary. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll, if they're honest, you know, most of them are honest. You know, they'll say, actually, there's maybe three, main views three ways mm -hmm. that this could possibly be we weighed out and usually they'll say here's what some scholars think here's what some and then they'll say here's why they're showing their hand honestly mm -hmm. and saying this is the one i feel most compelled by mm -hmm. and here's what here's the weaknesses of the other two yeah. and the strengths and then in full honesty they'll say oh but here's the weakest parts of even the view mm -hmm. i'm holding but it seems to have more strengths than weaknesses. So I generally land here. That's what's mm -hmm. helpful to me is when you can see guys like, walk me through that process. Yeah. Don't just give yeah. me your bottom line. Yeah. Walk me through the options and why you end up. I mean, I do that even with VST. We were talking about the millennium, for instance. And I'm like, some really good guys think differently. Here's why yeah. I land where yep. I do. Yep. So there is a place to, or what is the place for you with commentaries? Because mm -hmm. in this, that, that has been very helpful, at totally. least going back to this culture. And even if we don't know exactly what was the head covering, was it a veil or a right. shawl? They can say, well, it wasn't like the burqa of Islam where it's like a full covering. We know that that right. wasn't a first century thing, but we, there was a veil. There was like a shawl thing. There also the idea of how women, women wore their hair. Right. was a part of it if they wear it down and that's that's in their culture you know more what prostitutes would do so so there's some cultural things happening where commentaries do help totally give a little color to what might have been happening I, the reason i popped my bible open is i was just thinking even just this morning and now i my eyes aren't falling right to it but the idea that proverbs has often throughout is this idea that um in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom, right? And so what I'm saying is, mm. uh, for me at least, I don't just have that one commentary that I always go back to. Mm -hmm. When I bump up against something that's really difficult for me to understand, I want to see kind of an array. And usually you find that those, those scholars that really tremble at the word end up kind of revolving around Mm -hmm. the, the most Bible options and give you kind of a security, like guys who thought about this a whole lot more than me, mm -hmm. know the yeah. Greek better than me, generally end up in a couple of camps that make it easier for yeah. me to choose from. You know what I mean? Yeah. But here's the deal. I don't want to run to those guys first. I want to have to wrestle with the Bible first. Mm -hmm. I don't just want to go to the answer key. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, let me just grab Gordon Fee. He's the answer key or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I want, I want to have to fiercely... Like even for me, the text before that I'm teaching here this weekend, I have yet to crack a commentary yet. I'm still wrestling in my own mm. soul with it. You know what I mean? Because yes, then yep. I've got more precision. The question I'm asking that commentator is more precise than just, I just want to drink it yep. down, everything you've got to say about that text. I've got to 
you know. Well, it's so it's so interesting because even with Gordon Fee's commentary on this passage, right. I've just loved First Corinthians, and and in this one, I felt like it feels like you're working hard to yeah. make this not mean something, yeah, or mean something that that you want it to mean, yeah. and. Uh, and as opposed to other commentaries. And that's where it just, it, it has been helpful. I think that's a great example where you can say a guy like Gordon Fee is a tremendous asset for those of us who are studying through First Corinthians. But he's not the answer key. It's okay to every now and then be like, well, he's also just a human mm -hmm. seeking to learn and is also uh, being shaped by other things in his yeah. life or whatever, just like we are. And so we don't have to just take yep. it. Maybe, so should I, I do this quick? Yeah, Would yeah. I think I think with that one last comment on yeah. that, yeah, definitely get to the picture here. But it's it there is a it it uh brings about some humility in this. Oh. Even as I'm you think okay. about godly people that disagree on something. Right. Now, and there is there is stuff that we can't disagree on, that there are things that can be preached yes. from this this say going back to Genesis 1 through 3 that what Paul's point, it can't be missed, right. is that in the church, there needs to be distinction between male and female yes. that follows the, the created order of things, that authority is yes. wired into yes. us. And so that, that's something that, you know, because if we get the male and female thing wrong, we're, we're going to not understand who God oh, is man. because Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that's a great example where if you get in the weeds too much on what exactly was going on with the head coverings in the city of Corinth in the first century, and you spend your whole time just trying to figure that one piece of the puzzle out, you're kind of straining at gnats and swallowing camels. You know what I mean? You're, you're going for the minutia and missing the bigger picture mm -hmm. that is a, a testimony from the scriptures from Genesis one and two mm -hmm. all the way through revelation. Right. You know what I mean? And so yeah. To be able to say, look, I don't see everything clearly in this passage, but it does support this general arc of truth that yep. we can see repeated often. Yep. You know, that's good. So you've used this picture a lot. This, yeah, I have. And I and I think yeah. and we can thank Rebecca Johnson for I this know. drawing. She did. She was using. She's this. She's gonna be so yeah. humiliated because <laughs> she's so embarrassed by it. But you know that she did a better job than. You could that I would have ever done. Yeah, so it's actually it's funny that you brought it because I was like, I think I'm just going to grab Rebecca's. So by the way, if you're watching, I know some of you guys are listening, but Grasping God's Word uh, by Duval and Hayes is where this diagram, this picture comes from. It's the book that I've used, I don't know how many times, to teach people how to study the Bible. Um, it's very accessible. There's a, a slimmer version, I think, called Journey Through God's Word or something like that, like an abridged version. So this kind of thing that we're talking about, you'd be helped, I think, to just go to the source. But this this uh, chart, and if you're just listening instead of uh, watching, I'll just kind of talk you through it. But basically, it's really simple. The Bible describes um, what we call their town. In other words, now in Corinth, we're talking about a letter that went to a specific city, a specific church in the first century in Greece. So what we try to do as uh, Bible readers is think, what would that original audience have been like? What was the cultural moment they were in when they received this letter, this word from God? What was going on in their town? What we're trying to get to is, uh, way on the other side, our town. God very, you know, uh, providentially left this in us, not just for the first century 
uh, reader, but for people living in Iowa in 2021. So how do we get, and by the way, this is maybe the weakest part of Rebecca's. This is actually a map of Iowa. <laughs> That's actually a Hawkeye. I had to have somebody point that out. It got fixed, but anyway, she's red faced right now. She's watching this, but um, Iowa City 2021, somehow that word has to land here. But here's the problem. We've got a river, this is a river, and in that we've got things like culture, cultural differences, language differences, et cetera. In other words, when I look back over at Corinth, there's cultural things going on. We don't have head coverings the way they did. What is that, what, what was going on? Language barriers, man, this is written in Greek. I only read English, how does that? So there's a barrier. So what we're looking for is, first of all, recognize those things recognize, boy, there's some things that are difficult for me to understand and acknowledge those. And wherever we can find help on those things, find that help. But ultimately what we're looking for is a way to cross this principalizing bridge. In other words, there are principles that obviously are supposed to be able to transverse whether you're in a first century context or an Iowa City. That's what we're trying to find under all this. Yeah, there's some things we don't get or some things that make us very different. What are those universal principles that we're, we're trying to receive and accept? This step right here, this, this uh, there's a little four here, this step four. When you get over here on the other side of this principle, you have to kind of stop. You could put a little stop sign here and say, wait, does this match with the greater context of the Bible? This is checking the biblical map. And that's what we were talking about just a little bit ago. This principle that I've discovered if it's truly a biblical principle, I will be able to find it other places in the Bible. Anybody that's trying to land on a specific way of thinking or a doctrine that is locked in to 1 Corinthians 11 probably is not a universal principle. Because what God does often is take just a handful of things and repeat them over and over and over because we are so slow to hear. I need to see it coming at me through narrative and epistles and Old Testament and Proverbs and everything. So... That's a way to double check yourself to say, is this truly a universal principle that God's trying to do? And then we start applying it. And application goes in all sorts of ways. Everybody that's walking through the doors of Veritas Cedar Rapids this coming Sunday has their own story, has a way that that word is going to intersect their lives. And so we have to help people understand my job is to bring the truth. Your job is not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer also. But that response, that application might go in a lot of different directions. And that's where we maybe help them along the way, but trust that they're going to find a way to apply what was delivered back centuries ago into their life today. So that kind of scheme is, is so what if we I'm, try to do with every text. So if I'm going to use this as a workshop for 1 Corinthians 11, I'm reading this stuff and I'm asking okay, Corinth, what's happening in Corinth, right? What are the issues now about the issues that I wrote about, you know, or that you wrote about to the answering the question, there's some disputes in the church. What is it? I'm trying to figure out what is Corinthian culture with yeah. the, the hair and the shawl and, the and even the role of women, what's going on that yeah. he keeps rounding back to different fights too. Are there troublesome women or are there suppressed women? What, what's yeah, going on? Right. There? Right. Yep. And yep. so language, you know, this Greek word, a cock, or something, this idea of unveiled. Mm. What does it mean to be uncovered right. um, language-wise? What does that word mean? The headship, what does that word mean? Well, there's a lot of 
we got to build a big bridge right because there's a lot to figure out but it seems like the principle that he's saying that's clear is there needs to be a distinction between males and females. When I come to the church, yep. I want to see the difference between the men and the women. There should be a distinction there, yes. even though there's a there's a a um, equality, right? Like because he talks about the woman comes from the man, and right, he's saying just like you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Just because Jesus, you know, sort of in a submissive posture, yeah, yeah. is in a submissive posture, that doesn't. There's still one in. One in essence, Absolutely. different in function. Those right. things seem to be clear right. through that, even if we don't know all of the things that are happening. So we build this bridge. Then I come to this and I say, maybe going back to Genesis, totally. Genesis 1 through 3, Ephesians 5. What, you know, what and, is And even things within. So, so this, you know, you kind of go out in concentric circles. So for instance, in Corinth, you say, what else is going on within the book of 1 Corinthians that helps? What are the other things Paul says to the other churches that he writes to? And then you keep going all the way to where you're in Genesis, Revelation, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but you start, but because things like, for instance, chaotic worship services, mm. we've already seen that in Corinth. He's trying to say, you guys, you're doing more harm than good in the way that you're even doing the Lord's table. And right. when it comes to teaching, hey, only one or two prophets, the others sit down and listen. And there seems to be from other voices within First Corinthians, this kind of chaotic lawless, no rules about it. And he's trying to say, guys, we need to bring order to the church of God. So I'm just saying some right. different things like that, even internally within the book, right? That drop little breadcrumbs yeah. to what he's trying to correct here. Right. So now from this step to this step, this is where I have to be careful because right. after doing all this work, I'm probably going to be careful not to say, therefore, you know, a woman should come in with a little, shawl over her right because we don't know exactly the, the churches that go there right they're really running a little bit of a risk because a this is the only time in the new testament that this specific application is given with it we don't know what they look like we're still trying to decide where does hair come in versus this veil thing so yeah. there's a lot so then the churches that just and i'm not throwing down on them but use the little doily well would would the Corinthians say, oh, that's adequate? Or should it be a, like, be careful in the way you go to that minutia right. of an application. Because, because it, they might also have had to put their hair up. Totally. Because that was a, so if you put that on, but your hair is still down, that's where it's hard to apply that. But there is a principle that we can apply. Yes. Yes. And, it, and, and so I guess that step is, yeah. is thinking through um, what, manhood yeah. of a womanhood looks like in the church right and how to display the glory and the beauty of the differences distinctions because that, that, that beautiful distinction of gender way back pre-sin just when everything was as it ought to be shalom uh there was a beautiful complementary distinction between men and women and some of what the church is supposed to be doing is displaying kingdom living in the present dark age that we live in and so how can the church hold up what yeah. what got you know turn things right side up let we're we're being kind of squeezed into a mold by this world how can our minds be transformed and renewed such that things kind of turn right side up the fog can lift a little bit and i do think one of the ways that he's trying to say the church can do that is that 
men and women go back to that beautiful complementary distinction, mm -hmm. not a monochromatic androgynous you know, androgynous society, yeah. which that alone way before you get to doilies on the head is extremely controversial in our day and age like mm -hmm. don't right. don't get off fighting a battle on doily or veil or hair up how about the way more i think volatile issue and that's just gender right maleness so, and female so also <laughs> one of the applications i think for our town is is also if i'm going to add to this is not just it's not the the state almost makes it feel like public schools like right it's really like our church yeah in this like yeah this application is this is not now i'm going to go oh, to our school call. district and say hey the bible says this is how this is called this is to the church That's such this is point. not you know paul talking about the workplace right or you know governing authorities i think oh, that's such i think there's point. an application for us in the church and displaying the beauty you know and and what is what is he uh um eugene peterson says the church is a colony of heaven mm -hmm. in a country of death yeah you know we're oh, not we're not going to use this to go out and no it's not time to grab torches and pitchforks you know and and go out and try to change the world system out there because if he was going to go there when you read back at what first century Corinth was like, <laughs> he could have gone on a campaign for all sorts of things right. going on. His right. focus in first Corinthians is church, be the church, mm. be the colony of God's people. Yeah. You, you can't often, and especially if you're not in a democratic society, especially control, have any say of what's going on outside the colony. So let your focus be, here now when we can also be salt and light and have that permeate out into our culture praise be to god but let's be that city yeah. on the hill let's let's model yep. you know and display what's right because i think that this does have as we are instructed by this passage there is a way to articulate this in a compelling way to the world that that it does make sense that our totally. world is groping about in the darkness yes. there's a lot of you know, we see on entertainment and, and with whether it's uh, this, this abuse of power yes. is being oh, man. exposed man. all over our culture. People are saying this world is broken because we've got the people in power and authority are using it to oh. abuse people and, and in, in many different ways. Right. Um, and, so, and so I guess that what we're providing is a vision of... Yep. Yep. The complementarity and the, um, the yep. distinctiveness and yep. what it means to be made in the image of God. And that's where even when talking to our unbelieving, you know, secular friends about texts like this, to be able to say that, hey, I, I don't know exactly everything. I don't, I'm not trying to proclaim that I have um, complete knowledge, right? <laughs> but man it sure seems like the trajectory of where god wants to take us is very different than what the world system is teaching you know what i mean mm -hmm. i think if we even if engaging with unbelievers around if we even say that with humility you know they might still radically disagree especially on things like gender right but to be able to have that heart of humility that just says i i'll tell you what jesus christ is my lord <laughs> like 
he is the North star that keeps yeah. me directed. I, I might be off the path a little bit, but I'm telling you, we got to head that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just that, yeah. that humility that I think yeah. commands a level of respect mm. then from even those that doubt. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I was just thinking about um, his, uh, Ray Orland, who was mm. wrote an article in one of these on Genesis one through three. And, um, his, his closing paragraph um, says, I appeal to my readers in the name of God. I appeal to you on the ground of Genesis 1 through 3 to reconsider rationally the basis of your personal significance. Your glory is found only in the image of God within you mm. as you resemble his holy character whatever niche you may occupy in his larger scheme of things. Wow. I think that's the issue is so where good. do I find my value? Yes. Do I find it in my, because the, the world says your value comes from your position, right? From having, a, an, from being important. Right. And the way that you're important, the way that you matter is having a position of power. That's how you become a significant person yep. in this world. And the way you get that power is through whatever you can do, yep. manipulation, use people, climb yeah. your way, yep. but get to that position of power. And I, I think that, yeah. that it just is this question of what gives you your personal significance. Yeah. And I think as believers, yeah. it's just we reflect God and are in a glad surrender of of submission. It's a glad start because we find every time we just submit our willfulness to God, there is such reward. There is grace, that shalom, right? And so what I'm saying is to be able to humbly say, man, I don't even know why God called me to this or that. But like the metaphor of the soldier, no soldier in active duty you know, shakes his fist as his commanding officer. No, we say he's my Lord and I don't have to know why. I'm supposed yeah. to order my life this way. I don't, I'm just to say, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And when I do, I find, oh, that's why he wears bars. <laughs> that's right. Because he actually knew which way I was supposed to go and yeah. what I was supposed to do. And there's a, a peace and a security yeah. and a strength in that. Right. Instead of coming to texts like this and be like, that can't be what it means. Ah, you know, put yourself in that submissive posture and watch God bless. Because mm -hmm. he does. He blesses those who earnestly seek him, right? Lord, I'm going to seek you in this. It feels like I'm going to have to go against the grain, but yeah, that's what yeah. you've said. I'm going to follow. Yeah. Well, that is super helpful to me as I'm thinking through first Corinthians 11. And I know if you're a Christian, you're going to come across passages in the Bible that just straight up confuse you. And um, I think, yeah, some of the things uh, are super, super helpful. I've been helped by a lot of Jeff's kind of walking through um, this process and uh, it would have been more helpful maybe if I wouldn't have assigned this text to you. <laughs> I would have been. I was thinking about that like, wait a minute, I'm in charge of the teaching schedule. <laughs> right. Oh man. Well, it wasn't supposed to be. I think it was random. I don't know how we yeah, got there. Well, I either uh, apologize or take credit. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it's a uh, yeah. So this is this is fun talking through this and uh, yeah. If you've been uh, joining us today and listening through, um, you know, there's a picture you can get on YouTube and, and look at it uh, if you're interested to see the picture of what we're talking about. But 
Um, anyway, I hope you guys have a great week. Um, we'll see you next time. But uh, could you pray for yeah. us, for me, and all this? Yeah, Lord, your your word is truly a light and a lamp for us to be able to know how to direct our steps. And we're very grateful, Lord. Um, often we come to your word, and it's just a delight. And uh, you change our thinking, and it's and it's immediately obvious to us, and it's delightful for us to follow you. Other times we don't understand, we scratch our heads. Even that, Lord, you meet us there. And as we seek you, you are found by us mm -hmm. and you reward us even for that diligence that we're putting forward, Lord. So I, I pray for Mark as he not only thinks about what does this text mean, but also what it should mean for us. Bless him, Holy Spirit, with insights and discernment. Give him a listening heart first to you, Lord, but then also just to the listening cries of all of us out there who are wondering how to order our steps. So grant him wisdom in that way, Lord. And for all of us, just help us to stay under the authority of your word, Lord, and uh, find a delight in doing so. So yeah, we love you, Lord. Uh, bless all these guys who are tuning in and, and wherever they're at, may your word be just nourishment to their souls. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Have a great week.